0: You are listening to a listener favorite from 2022, our top episode Skyrocket Research Skills for Elementary Students. I'm sharing our top three episodes from 2022, and teachers loved this five step process for teaching social studies. So keep listening to learn how to easily facilitate research and differentiate with any science or social studies topic. Let's go. you're here listening to Wife Teacher Mommy, the podcast today. I'm your host, Kelsey Sorensen, a former elementary teacher turned homeschool mom. Whether you are a teacher or a homeschool parent, my goal at Wife Teacher Mommy is to provide you with both teaching ideas and mindset tools to help you live your absolute best teacher life. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Now let's go. Okay, so since we're headed into the end of the school year, I want to reshare some of our top episodes from 2022. And I want to thank you for being a listener. It was so fun to start this podcast this year and release over 50 episodes and gain thousands of listeners. I appreciate Each and every one of you, you here listening today, thank you for making this possible. Now, I want to give you a quick reminder about our awesome giveaway that's going on. So if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast player that will allow you to leave a review, you can take a screenshot of it and email it to us at hello at wifeteachmommy.com or DM us at Wife Teacher Mommy on Instagram with the image, and we'll get you entered to win. Now, the prize is well, a few things. You get a few things. So, first of all, you're going to get a completely custom stainless steel tumbler that my husband will engrave right in our garage. What I love about these tumblers is they really keep your drink ice cold all day and there's a stainless steel straw. It's just so premium. I love it so much. And we send one of these to all of our annual members of Wife Teacher Mommy Club with our logo and with currently it's a quote that says progress over perfection. But you are going to get to have any quote that you want on there as well as your name engraved right on it. And I'm sure on Etsy if you were to look for something similar it would cost like at least 30 bucks. So you're going to get that if you win. You're also going to get three months of Wife Teacher Mommy Club. So you'll get access to up to 50 downloads every month. You'll get to join in our coaching. You'll get to attend any events that happen during that three months and get the full complete club experience. And if you're already a member and you win this giveaway, we'll just apply that code to your current membership. So everybody is eligible. And you'll also get four 45-minute one-on-one life coaching sessions with me. Now, when you think about this, most Life Coaches charge at least 200 bucks per session and you will get four of them for free. Okay so if you were the winner you will get the four one-on-one life coaching sessions full 45 minute sessions. You'll get three free months of Wife Teacher Mommy Club and the stainless steel completely custom tumbler. If you win this prize, all you have to do is take like just a minute to leave a review. And I would recommend screenshotting the review before you hit submit, especially if you're on Apple podcasts, because sometimes they don't show up right away. So take that screenshot, then hit submit and Email it to us so we know it's you. We won't know if it's you just by your username of like some random letters and numbers or whatever. We're not going to know who that is or even even if it says like Melissa or whatever. We won't know which Melissa it is. So make sure that you email it to us so we can get you entered to win the giveaway that way. Okay, so for our first listener favorite from this year, this one was episode number five. So, unless you've been listening from the very beginning, you might have missed it, even though it was super popular. It was well loved and well received, and even some of our Instagram posts about it were also more popular than most of our Instagram posts. So, this topic is clearly one that teachers need more support with. So, I wanted to air it again to make sure that you get the chance to listen to it. And in this episode, I share my signature process for research units that I created. I actually first did this when I was student teaching in the classroom. The great thing about this method is it's very simple. You're really working smarter, not harder because you are facilitating. It's more like you're a facilitator and the students are going out and they're doing the research and they're learning so much and then they teach each other. It's naturally differentiated to meet the needs of all the kids in your class. And it also works great Um, for parents who homeschool their children at a variety of ages too. My kids are finally getting to the the age where we can start to do this. So I'm really excited um, to do it with my own children as well. I also think it's perfect timing to listen to this now, as you know, we're going to start getting into the third and fourth quarters of school. And there are often times where we realize the science and social studies concept that we might have missed. Um, especially like when we have time after testing. Um, and we want to spend some more time on those, especially in the, that fourth quarter after testing, like I mentioned. So, this will give you some ideas for when you're even if you aren't quite ready to implement it yet, it'll be back in your mind as you are planning for 2023. So, without further ado, here is the episode that will help you skyrocket research skills for your elementary students. Let's go. <music> Hey everybody! I'm so excited for today's episode with Megan Osborne, and you may recognize her or recognize her name if you have been a part of the Wife Teacher Mommy community for a while, if you're in the club, or if you've attended Educate and Rejuvenate. She is one of our incredible team members at Wife Teacher Mommy, and while her main role is helping with the blog and social media and search engine optimization. She also really helps wherever she's needed. She's kind of been a floater on the team lately as we've had lots of different needs. We're like, Megan, I need you to help with these products. Or I need you to help with doing a session at Educate and Rejuvenate. She's always been ready. She's been a go-getter and ready to do whatever is needed. And I just wanted you all to meet some of my amazing team members because, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast each week if I didn't have a team supporting me and supporting all of you. It's our mission together to be here and support you as teachers. So I really want you to get to know some of the other incredible team members here. So today I'll be interviewing Megan. Megan is a former social studies teacher and a graduate of Utah State University. She stopped teaching when her first daughter was born, but she continued working in education, first working with a homeschool charter where she was working with homeschool families. And now she works for me at Wife Teacher Mommy, as I explained. And she's so incredible and helps me with so many things. So we, we just love having Megan on our team. She has two girls, Charlotte and Gigi. And in her free time, she likes to cook and bake, especially new recipes, listen to podcasts, quote the office, spend time outdoors and travel mostly to try new food. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Okay, so without further ado, I would love to dive into this episode because Megan has so many great tips and strategies for teaching social studies. So let's get to it. Hey, Megan, so excited that you were able to join us on the podcast today so our listeners can meet you.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
0: So can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, so my name is Megan Osborne. I am a mom of two little girls. They're almost four and two. And my work background, so I got my degree in social studies, secondary education. I worked as a sub for a couple of years, and then I got my teaching job. I taught seventh grade history, which in Utah is Utah studies. Taught that for a few years until I had my oldest daughter, and then I decided I wanted to stay home with her. So I left the classroom then but I missed working. So I worked as a homeroom teacher for a homeschool program where every week the students would submit a learning log about what they did in their classroom. And I would read those and just have a little conversation with them about like what they were learning and those kind of fun things. And then I did that for a little while. And then I found Kelsey and wife teacher mommy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I've been with, wife, teacher, mommy for a year and a half.
0: Yeah. Going on too. Yeah. Here soon.
1: Yeah. And I've done, I think my main job title, I don't know if I have a job title. My main responsibilities are our blog and search engine optimization for our website. And then whatever else Kelsey needs. We. I know
0: (laughs) (laughs) you've been so good at just kind of floating to wherever we need help. Yeah. I mean, I do hope to have, you know, things a little more little more clear for you soon, but but you've just been so awesome. It's been great. And I love that you've had the background in both being in the classroom and working with homeschool families. It's been really great to have kind of some of that knowledge on our team too. So
1: yeah, I love it. It's awesome. I love working for Kelsey. Your fantastic boss and wife teacher mommy is (laughs) so cool. I love it.
0: Well, thank you, Megan. Okay. I want to hear, what made you fall in love with social studies?
1: So I think my dad, first of all, my dad was like, whenever we went on a vacation, my dad found a museum to go to. So like even the most boring museums, like we went to Mount Rushmore as a family and my dad took us to like a wood carving museum, which was like fascinating to him. And it was actually pretty cool, but it sounded like terrible as a teenager. Like, I don't want to go look at wood carvings. So I think I always had that in me. And then I went to college not knowing what I wanted to do. I had zero idea, but just loved my social studies classes. Like political science and history was like, I loved those classes. And so... I just loved learning about the world around me and how everything was connected. And it just gave me a perspective and an understanding. And I wanted to know more about it.
0: That is awesome. And I love that you just kind of followed that passion. Like you weren't really sure what you were going to do, but you're like, oh, I love this. And mm-hmm. kind of led you into, like you taught social studies, did the homeschool. Now you're here. And and I love how it can just kind of lead us different places than we expected. Because I didn't expect to be like doing this either. It's just... Really fun to see where life takes us,
1: for sure. Yes, I love that.
0: So most of our listeners are probably, well, I mean, we may have listeners teaching all different grade levels, but we mostly serve elementary. So why do you think making time for teaching social studies in elementary school is so important? And also for those who homeschool, making sure that they fit that in, too.
1: Right. I think that for me, when I started learning that I loved social studies was giving that perspective and making connections with the world around me. Like I was just editing our sub plans, like the text to text, text to world, text to self, you know, and I think social studies really does that where you can make these connections of like, oh, that's why this happens and that's why these countries fight or get along, or these people are acting this way or whatever. So I think it gives that perspective. But I also think from a civics point of view, just learning to be a good citizen and how, you know, the government works and understanding what the constitution is and what's in there and those types of things, just that civic piece of it is really important.
0: I totally agree. I And I think, you know, when kids like they don't know social studies, they're Not going to be aware of like all the current events happening around them or like even how to vote or whatever. So it's important that they learn these things. They're able to form their own perspectives and everything. So that's great.
1: Or even just the importance of it. Yeah. Even if you don't learn exactly like how to vote, learning that it's important to vote, you know, is like a big part of it and why you should learn more about it.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And that's a good point because we're not like, okay, this is how you register or whatever. But yeah, just knowing that, hey, this is something that grownups do and that you can do when you're bigger and it's important because, you know. Uh-huh. So what are, you talked about having four tricks to captivate kids with social studies. And I know, like you mentioned, sometimes like when I was a kid, there were times I was like, oh, social studies, you know, like I loved language arts and I loved the arts. And when it came to social studies, I was like, meh. But then there were times where teachers were able to make it really, really exciting, too. So what are your four tricks to captivate kids with social studies?
1: So four are organization, the way you organize, how you teach it, um, telling stories, taking advantage of different uses of media and field trips.
0: I love those. And I think what I love about these tips you put together is our teachers can use them and our homeschool parents. I feel like they can be used either way. And it might look a little bit different. So maybe we can talk about like how each of them would use each one. What are some different ways that you can organize the way you teach social studies in the classroom or homeschool?
1: So there's two ways. I mean, there's probably actually could be more, but the two ways that I've talked about are chronologically, which is the traditional way, right? You start at the beginning of the time period and you work your way through that time period. So if you're teaching American history, you know, you usually start, well, I don't know. There's lots of places you could start there, but let's say like <laughs> For sure. in Utah, 11th grade is U.S. History too, which starts after Reconstruction. So that would be like post-Civil War up to the modern times. So you'd start there and you'd go through like Civil War and the reconstruction area. You'd move into World War One, Great Depression, World War Two. You like hit the highlights of like the big events in chronological order. And that's like the traditional way of doing it. And for me, that's the way my mind goes when I teach events is like this led to this and then this led to this. And I think there's a lot of advantages. You can really see cause and effect when you teach that way. Like because of World War I, which led to the Gilded Age, and then rising credit, which led to the Great Depression. You know, like it's easy to teach that, like cause and effect when you're teaching chronologically. And so there's some really good benefits of teaching chronologically. I noticed, especially in the classroom, and the homeschool is different because you don't have the time constraints that a regular classroom does. But in the classroom of chronological, rarely do teachers get to modern times. I don't know about you, but how often did we stop in? World War II. I don't remember ever learning about like Korean War, Vietnam War, Cold War, like the fall of the Soviet Union. We didn't get that in high school. And so that's one of the downfalls of chronological is you just simply can run out of time to teach every. So the second way is thematically, which is like organizing based on a theme. So like you could do revolutions and then you look at various revolutions across all time periods. So you could look at the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, Industrial Revolution, and how those like, or what do we call it now? I'm totally blanking on like the technology revolution that we're going through. Don't they have a name for it?
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like I've heard of
1: the name and I cannot <laughs> think of it right now either. either. But whatever revolution we're going through with technology right now and like comparing how Some of those are easy to compare the American Revolution to the French Revolution because it's a government and a change. But like, how do you change that to the Industrial Revolution or to the tech revolution of right now, you know, and like see those themes and how they cross each other across time and across different themes.
0: I think that's so cool how you can teach it that way, because I feel like traditionally it is taught chronologically, but I feel like thematically actually sounds like really engaging, too.
1: And there's all sorts of different themes, like you could look at women's rights or civil rights, you know, how did history of Black people and how those like looking through that lens I took a college course that we looked at the European history through Jewish history, so it was like the oh. theme of Jewish people through European history and how there they fit in and like played a role. And it was just like so eye-opening to look at it from a different view, it was especially through that lens of like one specific group of people or one theme.
0: That's really cool. I'm, I'm really glad you shared that. <laughs> Are you enjoying this episode of the podcast? If so, you will love the life coaching program inside Wife Teacher Mommy Club. You will get to join us in two to three live group coaching calls on Zoom every single month. We'll pick a new topic for our workshop for our first call every month and then have an open call or two where members can bring their own questions. Every call will be available for replay on the members only private podcast. So you can get more coaching via on the go podcast form just like this. Plus, you will have access to our Ask a Coach page, where you can submit your own questions anytime for all your teacher's struggles, big or small. The life coaching alone is worth the small $29.99 a month fee. I promise you won't find life coaching for this price anywhere else. Plus, you'll get access to our entire teaching resource library of over $4,000 worth of resources and growing every single month. Go to teacherlifecoaching.com to learn more about the life coaching inside the club. And you mentioned, I think, before that you kind of use both of these, right? So how how do you go about like using both in your teaching?
1: So mainly it was chronological, right? We'd start like Utah. I taught Utah history. So we'd start with Native Americans, mountain men, move into like European settlement in Utah. And so we'd go through those. But then like we'd stop when we talked about the Native Americans, we talked a lot about Utah geography. So that was our theme. Native Americans in our chronological time period, but the theme was geography. And we talked about there's three regions of Utah and how did each of the tribes use the resources in those three regions. And so then we moved on in time period and then we got to more modern times And we talk about economy. And so then our theme was economy. And how did the economy of Utah change over time from a farming economy to a mining economy to now a really like heavy tourist economy and looking at that and how it changed throughout those time periods.
0: I like that how you were able to kind of combine the two and teach chronologically, but have these themes that make it more engaging. Okay, so number two. So that was number one of how we organize. Number two, you said how to use stories when you teach social studies. So I want to hear more about that.
1: So I think like when you're talking about those teachers that we can all think of that were pretty boring, probably Uh (laughs) just stood up and were like, you know, this event happened in this year, you know, the Civil War went from 1861 to 1865, and there was the Union and the Confederacy, and here are the names of all the generals, here are some major battles. And that's really dull and boring and leaves out so much of the story behind it and the feelings. And so I think when you teach social studies, adding in, telling it like a story... Turning it into a narrative instead of just like a relay of facts really helps a lot. In my session for Educate and Rejuvenate, I gave the example of the Dust Bowl. And there was like a piece from a history.com which read like a textbook. The Dust Bowl went from this date to this date. It happened in this place. It was big windstorms came and kicked up dust and like all of that. But as compared to a personal experience of somebody who lived through the Dust Bowl, who was like, it came, we saw these dark clouds coming and we were scared. And when they hit, we couldn't breathe and people were stuck on the side of the road. And it just gives it more emotion to tell it like that as a narrative.
0: Absolutely. And that when you mentioned that, it totally reminded me of a book that I started and then I haven't finished it yet, but it's called The Four Winds. Have you read that one? Yes, it's
1: so good. Yes, So good.
0: But I was like, this is so sad. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But it made it so real. You know, I need to finish that one. I think we got into like educate and rejuvenate.
1: <laughs> you know how that went. <laughs> yes, it gets sadder. Just so you know, it gets sadder. I know.
0: That's kind of why I've been avoiding it. I'm like, do I do I need that? But I feel like it really does help you understand like what people went through, you know, yes. like hearing it in story
1: format. Right. And I think we're going to talk about using media in just a minute. But anytime you can use different media, like books or podcasts or movies to help you tell the story, it just helps kids relate to it more and remember it a lot better.
0: For sure. And I know you mentioned kind of like a rule of thumb. So what, what was that like for like the amount of time?
1: If you're showing a movie or a podcast or something, every minute, depending on your kid's age, times that by one to one and a half. And that's how long you should go before you check in with them. So if you have like a 10-year-old kid or you're teaching, what is that, fourth grade, fifth grade, and they're about 10 years old, every 10 to 15 minutes, you should stop and do a check-in with them. So if you're showing a movie, every 10 to 15 minutes, stop, ask a comprehension question, You know, do you understand what's going on? Why are they doing this? Just to make sure that they're following along and, yeah, comprehending what they're taking in.
0: And I really like that rule of thumb. And I feel like it totally makes sense to me because, like, when I taught, I taught third grade. But then, you know, when I was teaching my younger children, it's like tension span is obviously, you know, not what those third graders were. And then, you know, as they get older, they'll have a bit more because now I'm homeschooling my kids. So it's like, yeah, trying to keep that in mind for each of my children. I'm like, oh, that's a good... I mean, I I hadn't put it into actually quantifying it. So I like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I tested it with my students too. Like times I would just like throw on a movie. I didn't watch a ton. This makes it sound like I watched movies a ton in my classroom, but I did. But I would just like throw on a movie and, you know, the 45 minute class period. And then I'd say, see you tomorrow, whatever. And they didn't remember it. They couldn't recall. But the times that I took the time to stop every like 15, 20 minutes and check in with my 12-year-old students was like, oh, okay, that's what it means. Or sometimes just as a teacher, just to explain something, be like, hey, you know, this is what they're talking about here. It just really helps it solidify in their minds.
0: For sure. I find that to be a super helpful tip. I'm sure our listeners will definitely use that. What are some other media options that could be used with teaching social studies?
1: So I talked about podcasts. I think podcasts are fabulous and like a great way. And there are so many out there either for you as the teacher to take in and just to learn about social studies more so that when kids ask questions, you have answers. But also there's some great ones for kids specifically. Like there's one called Bedtime History that is like just for kids.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: They tell historical stories. And I think that that's great. Even if you just play parts of it, again, with that like minute to minute and a half rule of like maybe not just playing the whole thing, but picking out short clips at about that range of time for them to listen to. With a podcast, uh, movies, reading books as a great way, music. Music is so helpful because it stays in your mind. You could play songs from the time period that you're talking about. And like, what was what did music sound like? Sometimes I've done that. of Like we were studying the Cold War. And so I just play like the Beatles in the background. Like even though they had <laughs> nothing to do necessarily with the Cold War. But it was like, here's what people were listening to. You get a feeling yeah. for the time period, you know? Make it more of like an
0: immersive experience. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Here's what that. people
1: were listening to. Or like taking popular songs and rewriting the lyrics to about an event. I had a good friend in high school who did that all the time. And it wasn't like an assignment, but that's how she remembered things. So she would rewrite popular songs to help her remember what we were studying in class. And, like, I did I, that. Yeah, I still remember some of those little songs that when I'm like writing, you know, or reading things I'm like, oh, yeah, you know,
0: I did that in college to an old like I mean, and this is like back in the day Taylor Swift song, you know, <laughs> I was I think it was a world of dinosaurs class and we had to know like all the different like bones or types of dinosaurs and I found out that dinosaurs were not my thing taking that class, but but I was like, I need to remember these for this test. So I like put the names to a Taylor Swift song
1: and I totally I did way better on that test. Yeah. Music just has a way of sticking in your mind. And so any way you can incorporate that I think is really helpful.
0: And I still remember the multiplication songs I learned in third grade. Like I still find myself using them.
1: <laughs> yes or like pi that's the only reason i know pi pi equals 3.1415963535258 one, three, five, five, or whatever something like that pi day in middle school every year they would play that song oh that's over awesome and over and over again So obviously I don't remember it super well because I just forgot part of the number, (laughs) but I do remember a lot of it.
0: But you remembered more of Pi than I did, and I didn't learn that song. So there you go. And if you want to hear more about music and how it can help in the classroom, we talked all about music in episode number 21 of the podcast. So make sure to check that out, too.
1: I loved in that episode how your mom talked about using it as cues in your classroom. Like when you hear this song or when I play music, you know that you're going to transition and like how helpful that would be with transitions. I thought that was brilliant.
0: Yes, that was a great episode. I love these interviews. I feel like they're so fun. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So next you talked about making connections.
1: Yeah. And I think making connections using media because kids learn in different ways. And so they're going to relate to different types of things. Right. Some kids are going to get a lot from reading a book. Some kids are going to get more from taking in a movie. Some kids are going to get more from music. And so when you use that like mix and it helps them connect more to it, but also making connections going back to the way you organize are making connections between time periods. Like this led to this event. This led to this war was the same as this war because of, you know, these people or these countries. Any way that you can make connections, but especially relating to modern day. That's the most important thing. The biggest piece. Piece of social studies that is often missed is how does this relate to me today yeah my brother hates social studies actually funny enough he's a woodworker so going back to
0: my <laughs> so you both took something out of that yeah, he we took the woodworking <laughs> and yeah. you took the social studies there we go right
1: That museum visit was really important in our lives. He hates social studies, but I think a lot of it is he never made those connections to why it relates to him today. So, you know, when you're studying anything, taking it into modern day, which can be really difficult. I'm trying to think of one just off the top of my head. So, we studied mountain men and we talked about the discovery of the Great Salt Lake, and there's lots of debate over who actually, I mean, nobody discovered it. Native Americans were here, but the first white man was usually credited with Jim Bridger. But then, like today, if you've followed the news at all there's a lot with the great salt lake is drying up it's kind of freaky yeah and so like when you talk about mountain men and here's jim bridger and he thought it was like an inland ocean because it was so big and so salty and like bigger than it is today or like the jordan river which we live by that people had to use boats to cross when they first were crossing utah and it's like this tiny river now you know and how does that change And so like when you're studying these things around you and being like, so what is it like today? You know, the Great Salt Lake that Jim Bridger found in the 1820s, 30s, that's now drying up and going to leave us with toxic air. And how's that going to affect us living here? So making those connections, I think, really make connections.
0: That's perfect, Megan. Yeah, I think that's a great example. And actually, when you were mentioning the Salt Lake, I immediately made that connection before you even brought it up. So yeah. It just shows how, you know, when you relate it to today, it just makes it more like meaningful. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, because you're able to make that connection. And, And we talk about that a lot. And now I just keep like thinking of other episodes, but it's really activating your background knowledge, right? which is like a crucial comprehension skill is like, oh, this is what I know about this. And now I'm adding this like to my knowledge toolbox. And I think it's like episode seven where we like talk about that a whole time. I'm not sure. It's the one called Activate and Differentiate. <laughs> Definitely check that one out yes. <laughs> too. So yeah, that was really helpful, Megan, and how that applies to not just comprehension, like when you're teaching language arts, but social studies and how those can really go together too. And I feel like that really leads into my next question, actually so can you talk a little bit about your ideas for research projects
1: yeah language arts and social studies are like so well you could teach your social studies through your language arts ideas for research projects so I love student-led research I felt like in when I was in school it was like we're gonna do a research project and it was like oh because that meant like a big old paper and like a month-long thing, which it can be, and I think that those are beneficial too, but I think even smaller projects of like, hey, can you go find the answer to this question? Here's, you know, let me ask you this, you go find the answer, and then even just those small things as well, little mini research. But hands-on research projects, so some ideas, like you could sculpt or build something, so like for Utah history, like sculpt a landmark. And I guess you could use that for anywhere, right? Like the delicate arch in Utah, could you build that out of clay or Play-Doh or land? You know, like, what does that look like? And how was it formed? And then you could tie in science for weathering and erosion. So building something, playing a board game. You could have your own board game. There's lots of different options there. But then just like have kids write their own questions and answers. And for review, have each kid write 10 questions about The topic and the answer, and play a board game where they draw, and the kids have to answer the question to be able to move however many spaces on the dice. That's such a fun idea because kids always love games. Yeah. And somebody told me once, like, how important it is for kids to practice the skill of asking questions. Like, they're such in the habit of answering questions, but how often do we get them to ask their own questions? So true. So that's like a really good skill that they can practice design a travel brochure or, and it doesn't have to be about travel, but a brochure on a certain topic, like, you know, it helps them condense the material down and draw pictures and share the information. And along that same line of like writing a children's book or drawing a comic strip, some advice I got was like, if a kid can take all the information they've been given and write it into a children's book in a concise way, they can really show that they understand the main ideas because they're like hitting the important parts just very simply. And so I really liked using those ones to really help kids condense down the information and just share what's really important.
0: That is such a good point. I love that. And just all those different ideas. I feel it could be used for pretty much like any topic. Like it's not like specific to oh this has to be for Utah. Well, when you could use it for anywhere. But you could also like kind of like we do in our units with wife teacher mommy. It's like you know like you can have a project for basically any topic. So, uh huh.
1: And just once you know the structure, like our wife teacher mommy research units, the structure is the same for all of them. Like, here's how you do the research project. You know, here's some basic questions. Here's how you get the write up. We have that great blog post. Well, it's like a video blog post that you did on the five steps of student led research. Yeah. But you did that video training that I think is fantastic on the basic structure of a research unit and how to do that and then hands-on project for the kids to show off what they learned. Yeah, so we'll link to that
0: blog post in the show notes and also to those research units. If you're one of our many club members listening to this, make sure to download those. Get the best use of your club membership. And if you're not, they're also available for individual purchase too, or you can just check out the free video training as well. Awesome. Okay. And the final one, and I feel like this one is really fun, but also so I feel like it can be a little daunting, field trips. Yes. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about your ideas for field trips? And also that will look very different depending on whether you're a teacher or a homeschooler. Right. Sure.
1: Right. So I think... My idea first came from homeschool because I shared the story of when I was grading the homeschool learning logs and this one family in my homeschool class, I had lots of families. So I'd hear from like several kids in the same family. And so they talked about how one day they were just driving down the road and they saw a sign for like a farm and it was like a sign farm, whatever this way. And so they just turned and went and they had this amazing experience and they learned all about the farm and the history of the area because it was a farm that had been there since like pioneer times. And so they just learned like tons and tons of stuff from this little outing of just like, hey, let's go learn about somewhere nearby us. And so I think field trips are so cool because you can learn about the history around you and like why that's important. So I taught Utah history and I had lots of people be like, why does Utah think it's important enough to have its own history class? I'm like, I think everywhere should, I think that every place is important enough for its own history. And not just that, it teaches you that history happened where you live, not just like, it's so easy to be like, oh, I don't live in New York or Washington DC or Chicago, or maybe you do. It's easy to think like history just happened there or history just happened in England and France. And that's not true. History everywhere has its own culture and history. And I think field trips exploring the world around you helps you learn that.
0: I love that. And I love how you mentioned like everywhere has history and like that little farm that was just like, you know, a little farm in their town or city, wherever they were. And they went and explored that and they learned about the history of just right there. So it doesn't even have to be your whole state. It can be like your smaller part of your community. Right. That you explore. I I really love that.
1: And I think for teachers like homeschool, it seems easier, right? It's just you and your kids. You can like go out and explore a lot easier than you can from a classroom. But that's where I think using media comes into play is like without leaving your classroom. There's lots of like museums that have virtual field trips that you can do. Or one time, one of my coworkers found a bunch of pictures of like local churches and government buildings, important landmarks just around our city. And she created a whole game field trip out of just pictures. And so it was really fun for the kids to be able to go out and explore and see like, here's what's around me without ever leaving the classroom. But they learned a lot about our local history just through that.
0: That's really cool. I, I love that she took the time to do that. And I'm sure that is super memorable for every child who was in that class. I love that.
1: Oh, I was going to say two more things about pictures. So this is just a story from when I was doing my practicum. I was at a high school history class and the teacher stood in front of the class and read from a textbook. And it was about, he was teaching on the JFK assassination and he was describing what Jackie Kennedy was wearing. And it's a very famous picture, right? Of her in her pink dress and like pink hat, which I'm on a podcast. So I'm describing, but in the classroom, He didn't even show the kids the picture. Like he was looking at the picture and he didn't even turn it around and show the kids the picture or like put it up on the screen or anything. Oh my goodness. My point is show. We have so much technology available to us. Show what you're talking about. Find ways to show it. So it's not just like, this is what it looked like, but like, here it is. You know, I think that's why media is important. And then also if you can get kids involved in the picture. So in my Educate and Rejuvenate, I showed the four square thing of where you cover three quarters of the picture at a time and just look at small portions of the picture at a time so that you look closely at it. Or you can put a picture up on the screen and have kids, if you were in this outside of this picture, pose like you were in the picture. Like what's happening just outside of this picture. Like when I did it in a class of teachers, they put the picture of Ruby Bridges walking out of school. Do you know that picture? Yeah. And like, Uh there's like the adults, this crowd of white adults, like screaming at her and holding signs. In the class that I took, they had us teachers be like, okay, if you were in this picture, what would you be doing? And we had to pose like we were in that picture. And then we had to say it. And it was the hardest thing. So I like posed like I was yelling and the teacher was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm posing as a person who was yelling. And they were like, no, what are you doing? And I had to be like, I am yelling at this kid in this picture. And it was like the hardest thing to say it out loud. But it really stuck with me. To be like, made you feel like you were part of the moment, part of the story of what was going on.
0: That's a really interesting exercise. I hadn't heard of that before, but it's like kind of, one, you're becoming part of it, but you're also like trying to imagine what was going on outside of that little clip that you're seeing. Right. That's really cool. Okay, so we talked about four things today. Can you kind of recap those for us?
1: Yeah, so... Organizing your social studies. Are you going to do it completely chronologically or thematically? And what types of themes are you going to choose to highlight as you teach social studies? Incorporating stories. So finding ways to not just tell dates and times and names of people, but making it a story, a narrative for kids to follow. Using different types of media to do that, to tell the stories. And research projects for kids to show They're learning to demonstrate what they've learned and then to take field trips to explore the world around you so that you know that history happened where you live and not just somewhere else.
0: Those are so good, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing these with everybody. So that this school year we can have some great new ideas for teaching social studies. I feel like sometimes it gets neglected for like math and language arts, but as we talked about, you can integrate it with language arts. There are these fun ways to use it, and I hope teachers feel empowered that they can teach social studies this year, whether they're in a classroom or a homeschool. So thank you, Megan. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're ready to take the next step with me, then you are going to love Wife Teacher Mommy Club. Our top selling resources for pre-K through sixth grades have been used and loved by tens of thousands of teachers. And the club gives you one-click access to all of them to meet the needs of every child you teach while saving tons of time. Plus you'll have our certified life coach in your back pocket with several monthly workshops and an ask a coach portal. You can use 24 seven. The combo of resources and coaching is our secret sauce to your best teacher life. Think of my team and I as your personal team doing the lesson planning for you and on the sidelines, coaching you and cheering you on as you focus on what you do best impacting the children you teach. Plus if you're loving this podcast, You'll also have access to our private podcast, Just for Members, where I continue the conversation with all of our guests with members-only bonus episodes. And don't forget the club with VIP access to Educate and Rejuvenate, our summer conference, and our private Facebook community full of like-minded educators supporting each other. You do so much for everyone else, so it's time to invest in yourself. Your teacher friends' jaws will drop when they see just how quickly you finish your planning. Not to mention the glow of the happier, more fulfilled you. Head on over to wifeteachermommyclub.com to learn more.